Welcome to the Neapolitan Scoop Podcast. My name is Steph. My name is Shay. And my name is Rose. Today's topic is in relation to the booby business. If you're from Houston, then you're familiar with this street. The street is famous for prostitution, sex trafficking, drug trafficking, and much more illegal activity. Through the years, Bissonnette has become so infamous that a film was made surrounding it. We watched this movie and we just want to discuss some uh, topics or things that either trigger triggered us, uh, were brought to us, kind of brought light to some new topic or something new, or that we got a better understanding from. Again, these are our own personal opinions, our own thoughts and experiences. You, as always, are entitled to yours. These are just ours. We welcome you to like, comment, whatever your opinions may be, uh, based on you or your own experiences. Hey, even if you don't like something that we say, you're more than welcome to tell us in there, Rose, shut up, you're talking too much. (laughs) Whatever you want (laughs) to tell us. So the first question I have for the board is, if you were a crooked cop, Okay, what would entice you to go against what your badge stands for? Mm. So hypothetically speaking, if you were cops, what is something that would make you go against your badge? Oh, just be crooked. So first of all, <laughs> if I was a crooked cop, I probably wouldn't be answering this question. Or if I had right. an instance of becoming <laughs> a crooked cop, I would be like, you know what? Be like one of those New York crooked cops. Don't care. I'm crooked. <laughs> um, Bless your tail light um, and say it's your fault. <laughs> you need to pay me a hundred dollars if you don't want that ticket. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, I guess I'll start off. If I were a cop and became a cricket cop, what would entice me to become a cricket cop? I guess. I don't know, because I'm a very loyal person, so it'll be hard for me. If I don't know, if I'm not gonna do the job like I want it, like it's supposed to be done, I'm not going to do it. But let me jump out of that mentality of mine and think of it. I think some of the things that would probably um, entice me to become a cricket cop is probably the money, you know, especially like if you have a family to provide for. Mm-hmm. And um, like also, for example, like in, in Mexico, you know, a lot of people, a lot of cops become cricket cops for protection. You know, because if you join a cartel or help the cartel, then your family is protected from the cartel. So I would definitely, that would definitely be something that would entice me to become Mm -hmm. a a cricket cop. And also, honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, that's where my loyalty stops. Because if you can protect my family, hey, man, (laughs) F this job. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Like, I need my family to be protected. So those are the two things I think would, would entice me is the money and if my family's life depended on it. I think Steph touched on on the points like with all all BS aside. Um, I think definitely um, and maybe my morality wouldn't let me be a crooked cop but again that's why I'm not a cop because I know that based on that pay they they do not get paid a good amount of money. And you know bless them for being out here on these streets with all these people but that's that's not something I would do ever. I, I wouldn't even think about being an officer. It, as a matter of fact, um, I don't know if I've told y'all, but when I got my forensic uh, science of, of my bachelor's, um, I thought about going into forensic science, but there's only two ways you can do it. Like either through, I think one is like through the um, 
through like going through the agency. And then the other one is doing CSI with the police department, right? And to do that, you have to be with the police department for two years and they don't start you out of at a good pace. So I was like, do I really want to be a police officer for two years and risk being killed on the field just because I want to practice? Oh, no. Mm-mm. I was like, no, that's not, that's not worth it. And that's one of the, one of the things that kind of pulled me out from wanting to do forensics because I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to be an officer. Not, not for two years. That's too long. Maybe it would have been a year. I would have maybe even gone at it. Not in the physical portion of it. Y'all know I'm not going to do that fucking physical exam. (laughs) She ain't jumping over over no walls, no nothing. She ain't running no. She barely, she barely walking. (laughs) I would be like. Go ahead, go ahead. Just, be like, can y'all come over to get to the other side? <laughs> yep. Okay. Yep. And I think for me, kind of similar to what uh, Steph said, you know, so when you, obviously they do background checks and financial mm-hmm. checks, credit checks and stuff when you apply to be a police officer. And the one thing they want to see is like, if you have debt, any kind of, you know, money that you owe, because yeah. obviously that would be like a question there for them is like, whether you would willing be willing to accept money take money from a crime scene you know because you have outstanding debt so for me i think if good thing i'm not going to be a cop ever but (laughs) in relation to the situation i mean it would be money i guess you can say um because everybody needs money just about everybody in america got debt even america itself has debt and you know so i think the one thing that would really if i was to catch like a woman trying to make her money and a man trying to support the cause. Mm-hmm. And if I caught it to avoid giving either of them tickets, citations, going to jail, making me have to do all this paperwork. All right. Well, I want money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, unfortunately, it is, it, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's sad to say, but you know, life, it is what it is. You know, she got to make her book. Yeah. As, and, 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 and and it is deeper than just her making money because there's a lot more that goes into even while she's on the street. But initially, if she's doing it because it's something that that's her choice to do, then if she's making money and he's willing to pay, then and I'm the one that's standing between either of them, then I'm going to be like, well, what could either of you give me so I can just let y'all go about your day? Yeah. I guess. So I guess. And, and, I, and I think we can all agree. It's even like in our reality, the, those cops that do become crooked or maybe not crooked, we say crooked, but they take, you know, money is because of that financial status, like they're in mm-hmm. debt, just like we are. They had yeah. student loans, they have student loans, just like we do. And you know, that money they're getting paid is not enough. They're putting their lives out there on the line. And it's like, it, is it really worth it? Mm-hmm. But if everybody thought the way that I do, we'd have no cops. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Thanks. When I was 24, I actually almost applied to be a cop. Um, and then I literally filled out the application and everything. I had the credentials. And what drove me to apply was more so the pay. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it was like, well, at that time I was 24. So the, the pay. Right. So coming out of college, mm-hmm. 24, yeah. that's the most you made ever in your life. So, right. <laughs> so I, I sat, I remember I sat there and I was filling out the application, filled it up to its entirety. And then after I was done and it was time to submit, I asked myself, I said, Steph, are you really about this life? Right. And this was this was during um, a time when cops were hmm, t- being targeted because oh. of things that they were doing that wasn't okay. The that was my same reason. Black oh my Lives God. Matter, you know, all of that. Mm. Thing. 
going on. I was like, even as a black cop, I was like, I don't even want to put my stuff. I'm not about that life. I got a family to come home to. And I will be that cop that when a call comes in and it involves anything that is threatening my life, I'm going to ignore it. I was like, that's not, that's not, I had to tell myself, I was like, that's not what, why become a cop if you're not going to If you're not willing to serve and protect. If you're scared, don't become a cop, you know, because then you're going to be scared and you're not going to do your job correctly, you know? And I think that's also one of the um, things that I I feel like a lot of cops lack is some some of them just going in for the money. And when shit gets real, they don't know how how to how to react because they ain't about that life, you know. Yeah. They get and then they're scared, and now they're just shooting people just because they're scared. It's like it takes courage. Which has happened. It's kind of like yeah. people who sign up to go to war. You know, you're literally signing up to go to war for the people. Yeah. You're not willing to put your life on the line for it, right. or if you're too scared to put your life on the line for it, then why sign up for it? So needless to say, because I- the military has more. Military just has a lot more options. They pay schooling, they give them stipends, they send them other places in the world. So when you're you're kind of comparing the military to the police department, it's like, eh, do I want my bills paid, my school paid for free? Do I want to go to school? And, and most police departments don't pay for your schooling. So yeah, you, but you get those incentives. Obviously, the more schooling you get, it means the more money you make on the force. That's but true. that's just after the fact, obviously. Right. And if you die, um, and I think of it. I, I mean, your family gets taken care of, right? Yeah, I'm about to say and your family. What happens? Yeah. They get that's like, true. yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think um, same as you, Steph. Um, I actually did want to be a cop too at one point in my life. And that's the whole reason I'm getting a criminal justice background, uh, criminal justice degree, because I wanted to be the face of change, right? But then mm-hmm. I ended up having my daughter at 24. And then, like you said, at that time, it was so much like conflict between like the community and policing. And it's just like you have these first year rookies just getting shot because they pulled somebody over and it went south, you know. And I had to take all that to consideration knowing that I was a brand new mom. I'm just like, you know what? This is not exactly what I want to do. So <laughs> I found a different route. Um, but yeah, it's, it can be a very scary situation. So people who are cops, I mean, I, I definitely applaud them because it takes a def, um, a high level of like, I don't know, is it confidence? Is it fearlessness? Is, I don't know what it takes, but definitely it takes a lot for you to put your life on the line to for serve other else. people not knowing if you're going to come home that night. Yeah. You know? And shout out to their family yeah. too, because yeah. it takes a lot to, you know, be, you know, live with someone who you don't know if. I mean, none of us know if we're going to make it home, but the, their their chances and their risk. The likelihood, right, of death, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so big shout out to all the cops out there putting their life on the line to, you know, make us, give us a better and safer community. I know I have a couple, families. Of, couple of cop friends out there, so shout out to y'all. Same as well. Same out to my cop. Shout out to my cop friends. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I think this, um, in relation to um, Bissonette, there was actually a... At, the end of the movie it was discovered that there was actually a cricket cop that was helping some of the pimps out um with um that were prostituting women on this net and trafficking he was he was part of the traffic yeah so he was you know kind of like the um the person who was going back and telling the bad people that the cops was coming through you know put your drugs up put this up he's the informant, basically. The informant. Yeah. yeah he was the informant and like I think they uh actually created a a sting and they were getting ready, they thought they were getting ready to slam on on this one particular person that they were targeting, 
and the police gets there and he's sitting there playing dice. I don't remember what he was playing, but he was playing some type of game looking at the police yeah. like he was looking for. He was like, Welcome home. Y'all can search it, do whatever. And the police was confident that there was drugs and all kind of stuff that would have landed him in jail. But there was a cop yeah, that was actually a part of the force that went back and said, hey, they coming through, clear clear the room. And got a good stack of cash too. That was yes. this big. After he walked I mean, out he of that- saved that man his life, basically. Got him out of jail, basically. Mm-hmm. Got him out of jail, but then he's still on the street terrorizing people, True. selling drugs. Um, because I think that was around, um, what's that drug that they were selling? It was killing people. Um, fentanyl. Fentanyl. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So he was, you know, they were selling that and people were dying from it. And mm-hmm. then of course he was prostituting women. So it's like, yeah, you. Not the cop though. <laughs> the other guy. No, not the cop. The guy, the guy that the cop was the informant for actually, mm-hmm. um, was doing a lot of bad stuff and he really deserved to go to jail. Um, but because the cop was a crooked cop, guess what? He was out free and he's probably continuing to do what he's been doing. So yes, but that's how we kind of trick got triggered by the crooked cop situation. So it's like, Hmm, why do we have crooked cops? What entices them? A lot of things, mainly money, mainly money (laughs) more so. Yeah. That's why that's one of the main things that they say that, you know, they do the credit checks and all that stuff. That's one of the main things they look for. I mean, besides like physical fitness and drugs and stuff, mm-hmm. they check to see what your financial history is because they know that if you have a high amount of debt, you're more likely to be susceptible to receiving payments in exchange for law, basically. That's that's why they got the credit because they're getting money on the side to pay all their bills. Ah. <laughs> How you get this nice house? That ain't no police salary. Right. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Next question. Prostitution. Do you think it is a choice or do you think it's a method of survival for those women who are out there? I think it's a bit of both, if I'm honest, because I feel like a lot of young women, they get baited into it with these, and especially and I didn't get to watch the movie, but just based on my research that I did from YouTube, I noticed that um, there are women who get baited into, when they're young, 14, 15, by these men, and they seem to have, be in love with the girl, right? They tell them, oh, I love you, blah, 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 and then next thing you know, they're encouraging them to have sex with other men for money, and next thing you know, it's like part of what they have to do, and they think that this man really, really loves them, so now all of a sudden, they're doing this thing, and they're not really realizing that he's really using you as far as, like, a trafficking or as far as, like, prostitution. They don't really realize it until they really get older, and hopefully, get out of it to really realize what happened to them um so in that sense it's not really a choice they they was naive they didn't really know they were blinded by what they thought their love was blinded by somebody who they thought they actually cared for them and then just found that they were being used on the back end um and then you have people who and i found that there was this thing called gorilla it was called gorilla something to where um a man would basically take the girl and say you're mine now. You're never going back. And if you try to leave, I'll kill your family. I'll do this to you. I'll do that to you. So it's almost like a sense of like fear and scaring them into being a prostitute and making them think that if I ever try to leave, I'm going to die. My family's going to die or something's going to happen. Um, and then there's the other side of it where women who 
Um, they didn't get a high school education. They have no educational background. They have nothing to fall back on, but necessarily the streets. And then they get there and that's, that's their source of making money. And a lot of them feel like, you know, oh, I want more, but this is all I know. I don't have any education. You know, this one girl, she had the aspiration to be on YouTube. That was her goal. Like, oh, I want to be on YouTube and I want to have followers and I want to tell my story. But you think about it, that's a small goal to have. Most people have like way larger goals because of her background. Her father died. Her father got killed. Um, she didn't have a relationship with her mom. And she was trying to make money for her son. And she had all these things against her. So she was using it as a method of survival. So it just really depends on the situation. I feel like it can be either or. That's my answer. <laughs> I agree with you to an extent. Um, and I'm going to just say, like, it. I think it is. It could be a method of survival, but I also think that it's the easy money part that mm. because as a method of survival, I mean, you can go get two, three, four, five jobs. So without a high school diploma, without a high school diploma, it's going gonna to take some work. You're, you're definitely going to have to work. You, you're going to have to wash the dishes. You're going to, you know. Put in some work. It ain't gonna be the job you really want. Yeah. But when you get into a profession like this, it's like you see this money coming in, and that eight dollars an hour, six dollars an hour is looking like, why am I working this hard when I can make a hundred dollars in thirty minutes? So, um, it 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 is a method of survival, but it's also like, okay, it's it's almost like the easy way out to me. It's it's mm-hmm. like, um. And then again, I'm I'm also agree with you in a sense of some of these um, girls are very young, so they're easily manipulated, you know. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you know, the, the guys kind of mold them into what they want them to do, you know, because they're so young, they don't know no better. So, you know, the guys, like you said, are telling them, I love you. They're like, I'm going to buy you this. I'm going to buy you that. And especially if you come from a background where you never felt love and where you never got gifts you know it was pretty much to each its own you know when you feel that first sense of love it you believe it and you're like mm-hmm. okay he loves me and then once he shows you that he loves you it's like okay I, you're gonna do everything that he tells you to do because everything that he tells you to do if you do it is out of love and like you said Shay, then that that starts the cycle now she's sleeping with men. Now she's seeing, whoa, it's a hundred dollars. You know, I just made a hundred dollars. He may, she get, I mean, a lot of them give the money to their pimp and their pimp just continues to buy stuff for them. And yeah. it just turns into a repetitive cycle. So I agree with you. I, I, I must say it's survival, but it's also a choice. Mm. At the end of the day, we all have a choice. I, I'm going to put it like that because they have a choice to do it or not. But as, again, when you're, and when you're playing survival of the fittest, it's it's like the fittest. Why did I say the fittest? We're not at the gym. Uh, <laughs> life, life is a game of survival of the fittest. Uh, yeah. I got you, Steph. <laughs> yeah. So when you, you're you in that situation, it's like, I got to do what I got to do. Again, if, if, if they have kids, if they have a family, it's like if your kid needs $500 to graduate, then that little $8 an hour job ain't going to cut it. So you got to do yeah. what you got to do. So I think it's a little bit of both. Um, it, it's 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 definitely survival and it's definitely a choice. I um, don't judge these women. I see them all the time. But a part of me is like, um, 
I always wonder what their story is. That's one of the things I always like. What is your story? What got you to where you're at right now? Um, but yeah, that that's my answer. Okay. Oh Lord, here comes Rose. <laughs> I know. I was like, wait, wait, because listen to mine. I I think prostitution starts from a necessity, whether it be necessity of money or necessity for somebody to love you, or necessity to feel. Because I've also heard stories about people that are groomed at a very young age, and by the time they get to the prostitution portion, they're they don't feel. So sometimes they feel like, oh, by doing this, I'm getting back at men. So I think it all starts from necessity. Then you will branch off into, I do it because I want to, because like you guys said, it's easy money. And then we go off to, you've been brainwashed, you've been groomed, and that's all you know in life. I think uh, both of you said, you know, it, it, you have a choice, but when you get to the point where you're so brainwashed, you don't have a choice. It, it's, you have to be able to get out of that, out of that mind state and pull yourself out of that. And that's why I feel like prostitution should be legal. Why? Because do you see a lot of that, you know, trafficking and stuff in Nevada because it's legal there? No. And then these women, that they have like they, houses and stuff where they are like, you know, in their own And like it's a lot, when you think about it, they have to go get tested. They have to go through all these health stuff to be able to do that, yeah. you know? Um, and that's, is escorting is prostitution. They just call it escorting, but it's prostitution. It's just high dollar prostitution. So my thing is, if if you if you're happy selling your body, because some women are, yeah, some women some women are happy. Some women like it. Some women prefer it because again, it is quick money. Well, then let me make you let me let you make your dollar. And guess what? We wouldn't be in a government deficit if they taxed it. So that that's how I right. feel about it. Now, when we talk about human trafficking and about those people that don't have a choice. Yeah, you know, it, it gets more difficult because those people don't want to be in that situation. Um, Especially but when I, it involves kids and teenagers, you know, they don't but know I feel, what they're getting themselves into. I feel we were much more open to it. If we were more more receptive to see when it's not legal, um, then we would recognize those. Now it's just because it's such a taboo topic. And, and you know, it's funny because I've had these conversations before. It's the oldest job. It, it's the, I mean, it's it's in the Bible. So it's like it, prostitution has mm -hmm. been happening way before Jesus was in this earth, you know? So it's like, let these women do what they got to do, whether they do it by choice. Um, well, this is for the people that do it by choice, because I don't agree when it when it's, you know, people that are being trafficked and yeah, right. Um, but if you're doing it because you want to do it, then more power to you. If, if I had the body and I had no, you know, I would do it. She an entrepreneur at that point. <laughs> I guess the question, I guess the question I have is, so how do we separate the ones that want to do it from the ones that don't want to do it? I think it's just talking about the topic, making it more public, because if it keeps being taboo, you know, people are scared to talk because they're like, I don't want to be seen like a prostitute. I don't want to be seen like, oh, my God, I'm selling my body. And it's like if we were more open to it, maybe they'd be less receptive to telling us they're, you know, being trafficked or less scared of their pimps or, you know, I, I don't know. I think that a lot could not only could we as a government benefit financially, but I think those people that are being trafficked and, you know, that are being uh, put in it without their actual acknowledgement, we can help them a lot more. And I also That's think just... by like having those conversations with our daughters and stuff, even guys, you know, I don't know how many male prostitutes there are, oh, there's but just by having those conversations <laughs> with our daughters and like letting them know, like, 
you know, if you, you may feel like you're in love, but if this man is forcing mm-hmm. you to do things that you're not comfortable with, if you feel like it goes against your morals, if it's, and granted, we understand, like, teens are going to be teens, and not all teens are going to be virgins till they're, like, 30, you know, like, let's right. be honest about it, but it's just, like, if you feel like he's making you have sex with other men, and that's not something that you want to do, then maybe you should start questioning why you're doing this. Maybe you start questioning the person, you know, and just having these open conversations so that they're not so green when it comes to what's happening to them. I feel like a lot of them is so easily manipulated because they're just not really aware of the circumstances that's surrounding them when it comes to being pressured into prostitution. No man who loves you is going to tell you to have, first of all, no man want another man humping his girlfriend. Let's just be honest. <laughs> well, don't yuck people yums, but they, there are men that like to watch. There are people that like to watch, so don't yuck well, their yums. From but... my experience, ain't no man who ever dated me want another man to hump me. And if you love me, <laughs> the men I dated, they don't want me humping nobody else. It's like, you know, and, and it's the whole <laughs> cookie jar thing like don't no man really want no man in his cookie jar don't be dipping in my, that's not true. my cookies that's not exactly well, okay true. okay well in in some instances okay i can't speak for everybody because you know it's shit fetishes and shit but in most some instances not all men want other men dipping in a cookie jar so if he got you out here selling your body having sex with all these different types of men and then telling you give me your money at the end of the day this man clearly does not love you. He's using you for something. And I feel like we should have those conversations with them to maybe let them know. I mean, I guess it's different. It's different if you get in a situation that's a threesome. We know what threesomes are. We've yeah. I never I never had one. But I we think know what, what threesomes are. And you know when you, you out here going down the street and putting somebody's car and he's driving away with you. What is that? They know threesome. What is that? I feel if your partner and you have an agreement and you're open to it, then more power to you for exploring your sexuality that way. Should kids be open to it then? Well, this is, I think this is where, when when you start to talk about the cookie jar, I kind of got a little bit discombobulated. Like, (laughs) Like, we don't call it cookie jar anymore. Because I dated somebody who was older and he said he didn't want to buy his cookie jar. So that's where I got that from. No, I think what it boils down to. Okay, Oreo cookie. Does, if, like the young, the young person or whoever is being who's in the cookie jar, and the two people are dipping in it. It's like Why if you say cookie jar, if that now, cookie, now I'm confused <laughs> because we're calling, and that's the problem. I think when we start telling our kids those instead of calling a vagina a penis, what it is like, it's actually well, I'm only calling the cookie jar for podcast, but we know what I mean. So, all right, well, your if vagina, you are if, if your vagina, <laughs> if your husband or your significant other wants you wants to share your vagina with someone else and you are comfortable with it, right. then I feel like it's okay. But if at any point, if you're doing it and you're not comfortable with it, then you need to question. Because he, like, again, nobody that loves you is going to make you do something that you don't want to do. And if you tell him, I don't feel comfortable sleeping with another man in front of you and you're, you still do it just to make him happy, then I, I don't think that's okay. Like, sis, it goes back to self-esteem and having insecurities. Now you're doing it for this man and you're just completely forgetting about yourself and your needs and your happiness and I think y'all can come to 
Uh, maybe I can record yourself. You want to see another man fucking me? Re- let's record. You, we can you, we can record each other and then you can go back and look at it. And just look at yourself as another and, man. And see if you really want to see it. Because most men are too macho. They'll tell you they want to. But when they see things getting down and dirty, they'll be like, ah, oh, nah. But speaking of threesome, <laughs> I'm like, so how do y'all feel about that? Like, you know, like, has there any... I don't feel nothing about that because nobody's dipping into my cookie jar. No, not even <laughs> dipping into your cookie jar. Let's just say your man said he want to have a threesome with another girl. No, let, let me start off because I think I'm a little more open to talk about my sexuality than you two. <laughs> so that look, is like, nobody licking my cookie jar. Nobody. Listen, <laughs> I, I think I I always say I, I'm very jealous when it comes to my bed. So I'm very open to try a lot of things. I'm very open to, but that is one of the, one of my things that I will not do because I'm very jealous in, in when it comes to my bedroom. It's like, I don't want an, a third person involved because once you involve that third person, you're opening up your doors and your relationship to somebody that might, you know, they do something might, better. He might yeah. like it better. Go out. You know Go out. They ain't going to like it better than me, but you know, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I feel like- that ain't me but I think it just comes down to being able to we'll try anything you want but we're not bringing the third person to my bedroom because I I think I'm open I'm open-minded enough for us to be like okay what's your kink let's try that but if that part like if if there needs to be a third person I'm like "Mm, you know what maybe not that's where I you know, but it because makes, why? It, if I'm willing it, to do it, everything you like, it, but listen, but that's if you're in a committed relationship. If it's not a committed relationship, baby, let's let's go. It's all like don't get come. It's not a committed relationship. I mean, I'm I'm gonna be I'm with Rose on this one. If you don't care about the person like that, and you want to do then it, it don't matter. Obviously, but. yeah, go ahead, do it because you don't care if the other person do it better or not. Right. Uh, but if you're like probably tired, be like, take it, take it, just take this person from my hands, Lord Jesus. Like, girl, take you, got it. you got it. But I've just as a disclaimer, I've never had a three. But my mama be sitting up here questioning me, like, is there something you want to tell me? I did not raise you like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just a curiosity to listen to how other people felt about it. But um, yeah, I agree. If it's I mean, to each its own. I feel like it's yeah. your vagina, it's your penis. You do what you want with it. Mm-hmm. So, I agree. I ain't as long as you happy. <laughs> Shay's just like, I need that. <laughs> and see, with Shay, it doesn't make you happy. So if your man tells you to have a three, mm. you gotta say no. And if he's not happy, then he I'll be happy. like, well, if you really want that bitch, you go fuck up by yourself and I'm out. Because. <laughs> Damn. I said no. <laughs> and I, that's having standards. That's saying, hey. And then, what? talking about threesomes it kind of got me thinking about the celebrity so Ari Fletcher who is Moneybag Yo's girlfriend she said that him and her have had maybe 23 25 threesomes and that kind of got me questioning because it's like why y'all which sex are they having why y'all having so many threesomes and it's a rapper feel like do he really want to cheat on her but instead of cheating on her he they involve other women so that he is not technically called cheating and sometimes right. I think it's a threesome intentions I think men's intentions like okay well it's not cheating if you know about it or if you're involved with it. right so and instead of them having to be like secretive about it they're like oh well, let's have oh. a threesome and she's like well to keep her man who's buying her cards and necklaces and jewelry and paying bills and shit oh okay well we can have 25 threesomes with 25 different women like what I think that's just small mentality. 
it's like, oh, I made it big. Now I can do whatever I want. I, I don't mm. think it has anything with maybe on her. It's maybe lack of confidence, lack of wanting or maybe wanting to keep that person happy. But on him, I think it's just like, oh, I made it big. Now I can do whatever I want. I can fuck 20 hoes if I want well, to. Well, you going to let me or are we going to do it together or I'm going to do it Yeah, either. or I'm going to do it by mm. myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. I'd be getting tired of having to deal with all those people. I'd be like, uh-uh, my back hurt. I, I can't. <laughs> And let's and first of all, don't catch no feelings for me because now I'm gonna have to ghost you. <laughs> That's just twenty three times. About, just seems you have to think excessive emotions that are involved with it. Like people, exactly. Like if you because women catch feelings. Yup, and then men men do too. That part too. And then yeah. that's how you end up with them love triangles that end up on the news. Question number three: uh, domestic violence. So why do women and men stay? Um, you know, it could be a lot of reasons behind that, but what are some reasons you think women and men stay in domestic violence relationships where somebody's beating on them and they refuse to leave? And I think I don't know about Steph, I'm not sure about I'm not, I'm gonna say I'm not sure about Rose, but we talk a lot. However, I well, from your experience, what will make a woman or a man stay in a relationship like that? I think I've said it before, I, I grew up. Um, watching and being, you know, part of my mother being abused by one of her husbands, right? And when I mean abuse, it's like physical abuse, right? And I think it's thinking that that person loves you, maybe thinking that you're so in love with that person. Um, I've said it before, growing up Hispanic, (laughs) it's like they they kind of, most Hispanic households want to give you that mentality of, oh, Uh, your man's your man and once you get with that person or once you get with your partner you can't leave them you know it looks bad people are going to look down on you and if if they're beating you up if they're not feeding you that's you know you keep that at home you what is it keep your dirty wash your dirty laundry at home um so so I think as a Hispanic woman it's just part of not wanting people to know your business not wanting people to know maybe shame um you don't want people to know that this is happening to you because again just like prostitution domestic violence is a taboo topic you know and I think I've told you guys I'm doing my my project on domestic violence when you look at it through a big scope it's like it's abuse it's grooming it's the person feeling like they're not worthy um it's that other person grooming you and telling you oh you're not you're not gonna find you're not gonna find somebody that's gonna want you with three kids or you're not gonna find somebody that that's gonna take care of you like I do and and it's just it's people get brainwashed to feel like they have to stay in relationships like that and it sounds almost like an insecurity because if you're believing what this person is telling you you must really believe it's true like well you know you get broken down better you know, for whatever reason they're telling you, oh, you're, you don't, you don't, you don't, you're not a good woman. You don't do this. You don't do mm-hmm. that. You're not going to find anybody else. You got me. Like, but well, you know, you abu- really abusers break that, you down. Well, they yeah. break you down to the point where you're going to start believing what they're telling you. doesn't matter if, if you're not, you know, it's just, they, they, they break you down and they know how to get to you. In most parts, it's like this person also has financial, you know, responsibility over their victim. And it's like, I can't get out because I don't have any money to leave this person or I can't leave because they're the father of my children or I can't leave because this, this, not, you know, they, they attach themselves so hard to their victims so that their victim has that trouble leaving. Even, um, you know, I read somewhere that it says the victim has to try 
at around an average of seven, six to seven times leaving their perpetrator, their, their, their abuser before they finally leave that person. Can you imagine having to try to leave a person six or seven times before you finally get to leave them? And it's because they, of course, if they keep pulling you back, they, they keep, you know, then, oh, I'm going to change. I'm going to become different. I'm not going to hit you. It was your fault. You made me mad. I've heard it all. But you I've get fed up at some point. You'd be like, you know what? Fuck this shit. I'm out. And then there's something. <laughs> at and some so, point, yeah. hopefully you get to that point. And unfortunately, some people don't get to that point. That's what I was going to say. Some people don't. I mean, Rose kind of covered it all. Um, but my perspective on it is... Um, first and foremost, it is um, October is Domestic Violence Month. So, um, to all the victims of domestic violence who are currently in domestic violence or who are no longer with us due to domestic violence, um, we are praying for you. And for those who are no longer with us, may your soul rest in peace. However, I think it's a very sensitive topic because my dad was actually a victim of domestic violence and mm. um, he is no longer with us. However, um, a lot of people tend to tie domestic violence to women. You know, like women are mostly the victims, but there are men victims out there. But I think my thoughts on that, along, along with what Rose said, are like, it starts off with a push and then it escalates and it escalates. And you know, like the first time it happens, it catches you off guard mm-hmm. and you're like, the fuck? And mm-hmm. then... You're like, oh, you know, it's just a one-time thing. You know, it's not going to happen again. Yeah. Then it happens again, but a little worse. And then it just starts to escalate and escalate and escalate. And then it gets to the point to where you start getting used to it. Mm-hmm. Because you've lied to yourself all of these times and you've said, oh, it was just a push. Oh, you know, it was just a bang. And next thing you know, you're getting pushed down the stairs. Now you got a bruise on your eye. And then mm. you, it gets to the point to where I think women or men um, or vic- the victims put it in their head that it's going to get better. They just think it's going to get better. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. And instead, it's getting worse. And it's getting worse. Because every time you allow it to happen, you're just giving the perpetrator more power. And Lord behold, you have a child. Because now you have a child. And like Rose said, a lot of um, victims don't want your their children to to grow up in a, in a broken home. So they tolerate it. Or like you said, shame. You know, they don't want their families to know what's going on. They don't want the world to know <laughs> what's going on. So they hide it. And um, some of us um, probably get to the point to where we think some some thankfully get to the point to where they're like enough is enough sometimes that enough is enough is when they're damn near about to be in a casket it it, it sometimes takes that it takes being in a hospital fighting for your life Mm. and um or your children you know because not only do 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 does do does the the man or woman become the victim in a relationship sometimes the children do too because They'll go from beating you to beating your kids and then using your kids against you, you know, and now you're fearing for your kid's life. So you stay there and you tolerate it. Others, it's money. You know, you don't have, they're the main uh, breadwinner. So guess what? Now they have control over your finances. They have control over your life. And if you're like a housewife who hasn't worked in like five years, it's going to be hard for you to get a job. And then 
let's just say, for instance, you get a job. They make it hard for you to keep the job because they're your method of transportation. So guess what? If they don't want to take you to work, they're not going to take you to work. You're just going to miss work. And if you don't have nobody to take care of your kids, you think they're going to volunteer to take care of kids? Nope. Because they want to keep you, in, they want to stay in control. So they're like, okay, well, as long as she, possible. as long as she or he needs me, then I'm in control. But the minute they start seeking independence, and that's the, I guess that's that's like the the thin line between trying to get out and sometimes having to stay in, is that once the perpetrator realizes that you're becoming more independent and less dependent on them the violence increases because now they're getting angry. And a lot of times when victims are actually on their way out, that's when the perpetrators end up doing things mm. to where it's like, you ain't with me, you ain't going to be with nobody else. Yeah. We, you know, we, we and Shay were, yeah, I was just going to say that. We were just watching that. Yeah. And it's, it's very sad because I, I know a few people that um, didn't make it out. And this was at a very young age. Like I was, 18, 19, 20. And some, it was some people that didn't get to see 21 because mm-hmm. they were already in abusive relationships. And then you have to think about the kids. Like I, I actually um, had knew some, well, I didn't know them personally, but I knew of them. It was actually the same situation. A, a husband and wife, the, the wife was dependent on the husband for a very long time. I think he was in the military. And um, the wife decided to go to school. Mm-hmm. And he I guess didn't like it because, and I guess he was so insecure that he thought that if she bettered herself, he was going to find, she was going to find someone better. So, and they had two kids. And at that time, I think the kids might've been like, this was maybe about 20 years ago. Cause I was mm-hmm. pretty, I was young. So I was, it was about 20 years ago, but he ended You were two. Up- you were two. We don't stick to that. Um, but he ended up actually coming to the school. She, I think she was going to school to be, I don't know if it was a doctor or a nurse, but it was something big. And he ended up coming to the, to where she went to school at. And I think she was getting on a bus and he ended up shooting her in the head. Wow. And left those two babies by themselves. Cause now he goes to jail. She's dead. And now you I have to think babies. about that. It's so selfish. Like you think about your own feelings in that moment about And that's how you all it feel. is. It's just feelings. It's insecurity. About it's- losing control of whatever situation is. And you have these innocent people, these kids who you help create with this person that you once loved at one point. Maybe still mm-hmm. do, but you were delu- a little bit delusional in the head. And yeah. you're willing to risk their livelihood, their upbringing, because you choose to put your feelings above theirs. I think that's why I'm so opposed to like, you know how it's, it's a thing right now where they're saying, oh, um, la toxica, el toxico. And oh, there goes a step is laughing. But it's basically saying my toxic, you know, like, oh, this is my toxic because they're doing this. They yell at me. Why are you proud of that? Like, to me, it's like. People, this generation really embraces toxicity. They really do. It's like a, it's like a. She's a turn on for them. A badge of honor. Yes. And to me, it's like you you do you understand half of that stuff that you that they're doing is part of being physically and psychologically violent towards you when somebody's controlling your phone, when somebody's controlling who you see, who you talk to, where you spend your money, that's not them loving you. If you can leave or not, trapping you in a space you can saying wear. you can't go nowhere. Yeah, but they're so wear. proud. But they're so proud to be like me, toxica, la toxica, el toxico. Um, sir, ma'am. <laughs> walk out of there and yeah. can you imagine like 
just to add a little bit to the conversation, um, because, you know, I got to throw it in there for, for, for LGBT community, LGBTQ plus, because I don't want people getting mad at me. Um, it's the stakes when it comes to domestic violence are even, you know, a little higher just because the things that they go through all the things that you can go through in a regular heterosexual relationship. But you also have that, you know, now that that other person might have that, oh, I'm going to out you. Or look, I'm gonna tell your person, you know, your parents that you're 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 gay or you're a lesbian or whatever it may be, and and you know, for people that grow up in in a Christian household or or you know, in a religious household, it's like I don't want my parents knowing that kind of stuff. Like my parents don't need to know that. And now you have one more thing that they have on you, and now they're like, oh well, if you leave or if you do this or if you do that, and I think yeah. it's just, mm-hmm. that, it's just I that never, much more. I never thought of it that way, like. Yeah. that's true because for like you said the lgbtq plus community that's one extra thing that they can control you with is yeah. you know and not even just reveal it because you know some of them haven't you know come out to the world yeah. so i can just imagine your partner holding that against you and saying well if you don't do xyz then i'm telling everybody what you have going on and that your job i'm gonna go to your job and tell them that you know you're gay and it's like, my job don't need to know all that. But at that moment, you 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 have that moment of, oh, my God, is this really going to happen? Am, am I, is this person going to go to my job and go tell them that, you know, that I like women or I like men? It, it, it's it's I think it's another kind of level of, you know, that abuse that that they have to live through. Yeah. That's, at least for those going through domestic violence. I definitely didn't think that that's a good another way to look at that i never thought about that when it came i guess because i embrace the lgbtq plus community that to me is like come out the closet if you want to but everybody doesn't feel that way you know but then think about it's like even for the people that are already out you know that they that they're loud and proud it's already a taboo when you're when you're a member of the lgbtq community because now it's like you're already a minor like i told the other day i told somebody i'm a minority on top of a minority on top of a minority not only am i a woman (laughs) I'm Hispanic and I'm a member of the LGBTQ community. I'm like, so I'm a triple minority. Don't, don't pull that shit on me. <laughs> but not only, you know, uh, are you a member of the LGBTQ community, but you have other things, you know, that, again, they might out to your job or I'm going to tell your parents or I'm going to tell members of the, of here or there, you know, and it, and I think it's just, it, it's just so toxic too in the, in the LGBTQ community. And it becomes a lot harder when it's, you know, when you have one partner looking more feminine than the other, and it's like, they don't get believed. Uh, the the other partner won't get believed that they're getting beat up by the more feminine looking person. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just... We're so diverse. I love it. We just have different <laughs> point of views from all kind of aspects. But that's beautiful because yeah. you just, you just taught me something that I'd never really put any thought to you know and I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people who don't put thought to you know the LGBTQ plus community and and domestic violence but I mean you know I'm a proud I don't know how to say this but you know just speaking for people who like recognize things like head on versus Mm -hmm. allowing something to go on for years and for years you know Growing up, um, I've seen a person who has had multiple different relationships and just about all, but maybe one, um, 
have I never seen it get physical? And, you know, it's crazy because, like, when you're a person who's growing up around domestic violence, you know, you know things are wrong and, you know, but as a person who's now an adult, it's like when I recognize that somebody is a certain way, I nip that shit in the butt real quick, you know. And granted, Mm -hmm. it may take a while, but it ain't going to take years down the line Mm -hmm. for me to realize, like, what's in front of me. You know, I definitely have... And I think with domestic violence, like um, I think somebody had said about how it's um what they do for you or like what you wear. Still, you said some mm-hmm. people will tell you what you wear. Mm-hmm. I remember I was dating someone and he it was like the summertime, and mm-hmm. this was somebody who was giving me money because he was able to give me money. You he was know, a whatever. Sponsor. Was basically, <laughs> he was a sponsor. He was giving me an allowance like weekly, and you know, and this is somebody who I could to be my boyfriend Woo! weekly. And it was somebody who I specifically my Not boyfriend the or whatever. <laughs> Keep and doing your was, thing, sponsors. Uh, no, nah, fuck him. He was older than Not me. that one, just the rest of the sponsors. That sponsor, but I mean, I guess the, there's good sponsors probably before yeah. that one. But yeah, and I think a lot of that boils down to also them being insecure too. So not only just the mm. women being insecure, but the men, because they know where they lack at and wherever that may be. So like this person was using money to compensate for where he lacked at. And it was crazy because, like, in the summertime, it's summer, and we know we're in Houston. So in Houston, mm-hmm. it gets, like, up to 110 sometimes. 15, I think, this year. And, and we were going to, like, um, a park for a party or something. And he was, and I pulled up. I had on shorts because it's the summertime. The fuck? And so, that's good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then <laughs> so I pulled up, and he was like, what you got on? And he was like, if I knew that you was wearing shorts, I would have told you to change and make you wear something else. And I'm thinking, tell me to change. Make like, me wear something else. Make me wear something else. Like, where did you get off thinking you control what I wear? You know, I would have had some smart ass fucking answer. Ooh, like, you don't give me First of all, you, you don't give me enough clothes. money. <laughs> And even if he did, I was not changing it don't my clothes. I would still say, first of all, you can't. I control what I wear. Nobody's ever going to tell me what to wear. And I, and, I, and that, that goes even beyond this conversation of like marriage and having husbands and having them right. respect and boundaries and all that shit. But, but I just feel like nobody should be able to tell somebody what to wear. In shorts, I can't help it that I'm five seven and my legs are longer than my torso. Any shorts I put on is gonna be short, and I'm not gonna walk right here with Capri Suns on, or you know the, the Capri Capri Suns. Capri Suns. Capri Suns. Williams. Oh my goodness! Because you don't want the Capri Suns. Oh man. But yeah. So I dealt with it. I let it be what it is. 
and it got to the point where he was even paying my rent but it's just like but because I'm a woman who I, I'm always gonna have my own and I always stand for and it's because of I, I guess because of how I grew up that part. just knowing just like how men can be even at a young age just knowing like you have to be an independent ass woman you can't let nobody sit here and give you shit because just knowing like how I grew up people could throw up in your face all the time what they do for you Mm-hmm. And just being even young, I'm like, I don't want anybody to take nothing from me or tell me what they did for me and make something they got to hold that shit over my head. Mm-hmm. So even then, while dating him, okay, cool, you paying my rent. Okay, cool, you give me that money. That was jump change. However, I can leave your ass there and still do all this shit anyway. So when it got to the point where I just felt like, and I think one time he told me, well, if you ain't doing this, this, and this, I'm going to go out and cheat anyway. Okay, well, bitch, bye. bye. <laughs> I would have still taken. I would have still taken his money and let him say. Well, I got my. Up. I got my rent paid for that month though. Mm-mm. No, wow. you not gonna sit here and talk to me no kind of way and feel like you got one up on me. You can leave today. I do not care. And he left that day. And guess what? He tried to come back. Sir, you ain't gonna tell me to my face. You gonna cheat on me? Then you gonna come back? And see, that's where, and see, that that is where the cycle begins. Because if you would have taken him back, guess what? <laughs> He would have did the same. He would have known he could do the shit all over again. Yeah. No, ma'am. I'm not the one to play with. I will show you, but I could tell you. Good day. Bye-bye. <laughs> Have a good I, one. <laughs> I probably would. Look, I would probably string him along and be like, okay, we'll pay my rent for a couple months, and then I'm going to see if I take you back. And then I'll be like, nah, fuck that. I'm not going to take you back. Bad. I just need no, no, my no. rent paid. He was too, he was too hip for that. Like he wasn't gonna, he wasn't gonna pay anything and not no. get what he wanted out of the situation. Nah. And it got to the point where you know you're not attracted. No, at least for me, if I'm attracted to you, I'm not giving you sex. Period. I'm not doing none mm. of this sexual nothing. So he wouldn't get nothing out of me, especially if you turn me off. So yeah. there wouldn't be nothing he could have done to make me want to fuck him anyway. So mm-hmm. you told me you're gonna cheat on me. That's all I need to hear. Have a good day. She said no sexual <laughs> seduction. <laughs> Hey. None of that. Hey. No money, no nothing can buy my happiness. With her Capri like, Sun, I can do it myself. Hey, I can do it myself. Shout out to the Capri Sun, girl. <laughs> hey, I'm trying to get past. You keep bringing it up. <laughs> she said. She said, Steph. She said, Why are you bringing up old shit? So last question is abandoning your child to chase your dream career. What do you think about that? Um, and just to um, give you some background information about this in the movie Bissonette, um, the officer that wasn't a cricket cop, um, his daughter actually was a prostitute, but he abandoned his daughter when she was a kid, like a baby. And um, it was so that he could go pursue his career as an officer so was that was that supposed to be the plot twist in the movie because i was like what the hell what the that was one of the plot twists and the other plot it kind of the crooked cop so you had because the undercover and the real undercover and then you had the crooked cop and they were all working together shout out to the indie film industry but that film they had too much going on i'm sorry it It was too much going on it had that's what you expected (laughs) <laughs> they had a lot of um, plot twists, a lot of... The storyline was pretty good. It was better than I expected, but... Um, but then it didn't make sense to me at the end because I was like, what? what? Uh, so yeah, what? at the end, apparently the whole, the whole reason he was being undercover was because he was trying to protect his daughter, who was a prostitute. 
and eventually, mm-hmm. I guess, come out and tell her that he was her father. Right. So, this is where this question comes up from because he basically abandoned his child and left her with her mother, who apparently her mother was like uh, uh, on drugs or something. Mm-hmm. And leaving her, she got a boyfriend, and the boyfriend actually um, abused her and molested her, which is how she mm-hmm. ended up turning into prostitution and not really caring. So, um, yeah, so that's why I was saying, like, is it really worth um, abandoning your child to chase your career? And I personally am not in agreement with that. I wish we had a male perspective about it because I feel like women, we're we're like tied to our children. But I also know women who have left their children behind to pursue Mm. their career. So I personally, um, I, I've heard of women that let their children go pursue a dick. So, you know, there, there's women out there that will leave their children because, oh, my new boyfriend don't want my kid. That's true. This is my mentality, though. Didn't you go through the pain of giving labor to these kids? Like, didn't you carry Carrying them for nine out? months? Yes. This is your heartbeat. It goes back to insecurity. Mm-hmm. And could, they, those men being yeah. in control, they being, they whooped, they, they whipped. Whip, mm. whip. It whip, can't be that good. Some can be whooped and whipped, but um, yeah, it's um, it goes back to that, and it's kind of sad. Look, you don't like my child, you don't like me. If you can't do, if you can't help me take care of my child, you want to call yourself my man, be in my life, be the figure. Mm-hmm. Then there's nothing you can do for me because I'm not gonna have you around my child. And there's some weird ass energy going on, like no, and I'm not gonna leave my child for you. What kind of person would <laughs> they make me? You know how they say in Spanish, te llevas la gallina, te llevas el pollo. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard that, but it, it's basically saying you take the chicken, you take the chick. Or you don't mm-hmm. want it. So. It's a whole package. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and even if it's a man on the reverse side, if, if I'm dating a man and he says he has a kid, and if I continue to choose to date you, then that's okay. Well, I'm accepting you and your kid. You know, I yes. can't say, well, I'm not going to date you because you have, or I'm going to date you, but your kid is a problem. Like, well, then go date somebody who don't have a child. It's just and that's what, And that's where I think I'm a little, ugh, when it comes to that. And I know, and I'll admit it. Like, I, I had a child, and I dated with a child. And it's like, you know, I wouldn't bring anybody around my child until it was more of a serious relationship. But I dated once. I dated a guy who had children, and never again. I swore. I was like, never. I'm not going to fucking deal with baby right. mamas. I'll never again. And I, I was like, it all depends. You're right. On the baby mama and on the kids, you know, depending I, on To how me, after that, it didn't depend. I just, I swore off of it. I was like, I'm not dating anybody that has kids. I'm just not doing it. I'm trying to ask myself if I would. I think I would. I wouldn't care if, 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 I, if I was dating a guy with kids. As long as his baby mama drama was in line. Is there a number to those kids, or you just don't care if he got kids, or is it like Ooh, one, two? It's okay, well, but like five kids. It depends, it's also, because if it's a number, like if you got five kids and you making thirty thousand dollars a year, then we have a problem. Yeah. So, but if you have and five, if you kids, got five kids, you're making two hundred thousand dollars a year. That's different because you can take care of your kids and you can take care of me. I always no. say that like Nick can't Nick Cannon can afford to take care of all his 25 kids. If he's properly co-parenting with the other parent, then he wouldn't be on top of it. But what if she bitter? You don't know that. That's what I'm saying. Mm. Did you not hear what I said? <laughs> if they are properly if she bitter, then they're not properly co-parenting. Because she's gonna be making his life miserable. But if you are yeah. properly co-parenting with the other person, then it depends on these kids' age. Some of them may be 17, 18, 19, 20. 
That's true. Well, you got five kids. Well, then he must goddamn be forty. Now, if you got five, a uh, two, three, four, five-year-old, that's a different story. Because clearly, y'all was yeah. bumping, y'all was hitting the sheets recently. I don't even know if that chapter is closed yet. Maybe we could have a a a, a, a good time for for a small time. I don't know, but for a short not time. for a long time. <laughs> Not for a long time. Yeah, for, for a, a short, short time. time. Not a long time. <laughs> you know, but if you have kids, like some people do have, you know, they are, have, they be in mar- marriages and they have kids mm-hmm. and then it just don't work out. And I mean, I, I think they deserve a chance to meet someone. And, you know, if that's someone is, you have to also remember there's people out here who aren't able to have kids and maybe they want I'm biased. Kids. I'm biased. I so feel you like gotta women look at it from every perspective. I feel like if you're a woman and you have more kids, yes, you can date men that don't have kids because you already got your own kids. Um, but men, it's like if you got five kids, nah, I'm not gonna. I, I think like men are a lot more irresponsible than women. Like if a woman but what has if five he's kids, responsible. No, nah, that's that's that, that's a big no no for me. Like you got kids, mm, nah. Sorry. It's the a family. Like, that's a family. It's like a family thing. That, that's his family. <laughs> I didn't help for that family. <laughs> so, because guess what? When I want to whoop their asses, I'm not going to be able to. No, they ain't my kids. All of a sudden, they're, yeah. All of a yeah. sudden, they're not going to be my kids. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, I ain't whooping those by the kids or any county. <laughs> any county. If they need a good ass whooping. They need a good. No, ass no ass it's crazy ass. because like. I mean, granted, I only have one child, but I've always dated guys who never had kids, and it's not because I'm just like seeking guys who never had mm. kids. That's just pretty much who's attracted to me, guys who don't have children. I guess it's the whole with kids situation. I'm like, oh, I'll date somebody with kids, and eventually, if you fall in love with that person, you might think about marrying that person, but I have friends who were saying how, like, she's married to somebody. I think he has another child, and she mm. was like, yeah, such and such baby mom comes for us all the time. Like mm. she be coming for them and they're married. I think they're in the military, but they're married and they baby mom be his baby mom be coming for their income, I guess, or whatever the case Damn. may be. And I didn't think about that until like really the Ari Fletcher thing. But I just like I didn't know that was a thing. Like I thought that if child support gets put on the man, it's then it's his responsibility, it's his child. But then not knowing that if you create a union with that person. And then your own child support, and they can also come for your income as the woman. I didn't think about that, so that shit got me to thinking. Like, you know what? Maybe, maybe we should date men with kids. Because if I fall in love with it. you, and you want to marry me. I don't know how I feel about paying child support for your child that I wasn't there to create. I need to get my baby daddy with a, a woman that makes money, so I can come after her. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think there's laws, things out there that could be put in place before you get married to avoid stuff like that. You know. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, you just got to be smart about it. Like, if you're going to marry a guy with... But- Come on, future law school students. Mm. 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 <laughs> smart about it. Like, go and do your research because there's definitely... I know there's a law that says that if you... um Whatever you got before the marriage, you can cut yeah, it Yeah, it's, if it's in your name, it's basically yours. If you have a business yeah. and then you get married... Your business, my business is not in your name. I have like two. My business is not in nobody's name but mine. So and you I think for nothing that's mine. I think it becomes it becomes a problem if then you get married and that person starts contributing to your business, right. even though they it was your sole business. Stuff. Yeah. And, and then, then it's like, how do you again? I said it has to be. A, I'm not saying go out there and get with baby daddy who got five kids and he not taking care of them. He back behind on child support. 
all of this. Oh, oh, that's think, irresponsibleness. Uh-uh. Yeah, because that's, that's the only way. Right I mean, they only gonna come for the spouse's income is if you're behind on child support. If you're up to date with your payments, they ain't gonna come after nobody's income. You know, that's true. So that's what I'm saying. You have to just. I mean, you gotta be smart about. it. And then again, if you got five kids and they all under five, come on, sir. Mm. That's just pure irresponsibility. Yeah, damn, mm, it is because you don't. He celebrated a birthday or something. <laughs> every mercy. every month it's a birthday. You like goddamn. I'm at Chuck E. Cheese every month. <laughs> See, that's why the older my child get. We doing what you want to do. We ain't gotta have no party. You want to get your hair done? You want to go out of town? What you want to do? But well, I'm I'm not for no parties these days because I don't feel like having to coordinate that shit and pay for that shit. I rather just pay for you to have a good I got, time. That's why I got mine used to taking trips because baby, I'm a benefit <laughs> from your birthday. I may be happy to hop on a flight. Oh lord, these boys are kids. Uh-huh. <laughs> they catching flights and stuff. Period. So can't can no man impress you with no goddamn airport. Mm. Okay, you done done that. You got your passport. You don't went out the country. All that. What else can you do, sir? <laughs> <laughs> Period. <laughs> yes. So we want to thank you for tuning into our podcast again. If you enjoyed tuning in, please subscribe, like, comment. And just give us feedback. We love feedback because we can always learn from one another. There's some things that we may be ignorant of that you can bring more light to us for. Um, Again, thank you. And see you next week for your weekly scoop serving. Bye. Bye.